Welcome to the 52 Pearls Weekly Money Wisdom Podcast. I'm Melissa Joy, a certified financial planner and founder of Pearl Planning. And I'm Melissa Friedenberg, financial advisor with Pearl Planning. Pearl Planning is a financial planning and investment management company located in Dexter and Gross Point, Michigan. We work with clients all around the country. The purpose of our podcast is to explore specific financial topics and provide advice you can use in your everyday life. Welcome back to the 52 Pearls Weekly Money Wisdom Podcast. It's Melissa Joy here, and I am so pleased to be joined by Dr. David Roney. David is a general surgeon who comes from humble beginnings and uses his life story to help others find the success they desire. And I think you're going to have a great time getting to know him in this conversation today. David, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you for inviting me. I'm so glad that you're here. And um, to get started, I, I kind of met you through Twitter where you talk a lot about personal finance, even though your background is in medicine. Um, tell me about how you got, you know, kind of interested in that topic as an avocation or kind of an extra passion. So the thing about it is once you become a surgeon, uh, people sort of forget how you got there and you're just like, oh, he's, he's a surgeon he or she's a surgeon. He and has they arrived. That. Yeah, he's <laughs> arrived. Right. And so they forget about all the steps that it took to get there. My background is actually in applied mathematics. Right. So everything that I do starts from that. But before that, I was just dirt poor. Um, I came from, like I said, very humble beginnings. Uh, and the thing about being poor is you're like constantly uh, like just trying to survive. Right. And so a lot of the decisions I made and career decisions, personal finance decisions came from uh, a background which wasn't really set up for success. Um, because you, you've never seen it before. You're literally just trying to put food in your mouth, make sure you have a roof over your head, make sure that um, you have hot water, right? Or you have running water because I lived without running water at one point. Um, and so personal finance came to me because I, I managed to graduate from the United States Naval Academy and I started making some money. It really wasn't a lot. It was 42000 a year, which is not a lot at all. Um but like it was, it, I was rich in my eyes, rich to my family, and I had no clue how to manage it. And I was blowing money left and right. And then I finally started realizing that I needed to buckle down. One, I was embarrassed because my credit score was like 520, right? When I went to get my first apartment. Two, I realized that, hey, I did want to be a doctor. And I, when I started the process, I realized I needed to save money because the process was so expensive. So I had to put myself on a budget. And so that's what started my real journey. And then I was lucky enough to have a coach in uh, prep school who uh, also happened to be an advisor for uh, Primerica. And he noticed I was doing some pretty bad things with my money, like uh, overspending, utilizing credit cards left and right. And he put me on an allotment and he took that money that uh, basically it was an allowance, right? He took mm -hmm. that extra money from maybe it was about $50 my freshman year, $100 my sophomore year, and he put it in a Roth IRA. And so when I got out, I was like, oh, wow, you know, actually, I, I accumulated quite a bit. Now, granted, the financial crash in 2008 wiped out a lot of it, 
but I didn't know what to do with it. And I called Primerica and they refused to help me. They said I didn't mm. have enough money to be worth helping. Yep. It wasn't. And so they need said they pointed me to their website and said, you got to do this on your Good own. Luck. And for me, like growing up poor the way I did, everyone always tells you no. They like people turn their nose up at you when you're like, when your clothes aren't clean or you don't have the same shoes or you're like, I carried a tweed suitcase that I got from, I think it was Goodwill, one of the thrift stores that I got for 50 cents as my backpack my freshman year. So like, I I just got tired of people saying, no, you can't do this or no, I won't help you because you're not as good as me. So I said, okay, fine. I'll just learn this myself. I have a degree in applied mathematics. I can learn anything. And that's what I set out to do. And then as I got older, I realized that, you know, there's not a lot of people who know how to manage their personal finances. And the pandemic hit. And then I was like, I was seriously distraught. I mean, I I was looking at people talk about how they couldn't pay rent. They uh, couldn't put food in their mouths. And I, I just really wanted to help people. And I'm like, you know, I've been there. It sucks. But if you don't make the change now and actually learn how to do these things now, this is going to happen again. I was brainstorming, trying to figure out some things. And and my brother really reversed psychology. He challenged me to use what was in my head to help as many people as possible. So I said, you know what? I'll just go out. I'll I'll create this blog. I I don't need advertising. I don't need any of that. I'm not looking for any income from it. And I'll just put everything I know about personal finance and everything I learned along the way on the blog. And if you want to read it, read it. If you don't want to read it, don't read it. But there's going to be a subset of people that find that blog and they're going to see that I I gave a lot of information that I learned over a decade and I accumulated over a decade because all I do, I read personal finance books for fun. I just read one up on Wall Street from Peter Lynch. There's a lot of common sense advice. And then I just, I catalog it all in my head. Uh, my favorite one is the intelligent investor, but I, I catalog all this stuff in my head and I try and share it with other people in a common sense way so that they get it. But I mean, it all comes down to a couple, four or five principles that is not taught well at all. Right. And and that's the commonality that I've seen across all these complicated books that are out there. The the same five principles are are just all you need in order to create some wealth. So there's so much to unpack in your story. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I think is is important is we all could use more financial literacy. Nobody is, it's, it's counterintuitive. Money skills are not um, necessarily a part of human nature. So it is, um, for most of us, uh, something that you have to be a student of. Um, what are some of the pieces of wisdom that you didn't know that you know now that, you know, what's the first thing you tell people when they say they want to get better with money? Well, first thing is, where's your money going? That's the first thing. If you don't know where your money's going, that like you, you can't do anything. Like you, right. you have it's to just know happening to me, but I have happening. no idea. I have right. no idea. Right. I just know it's bad. Now, granted, there's, there's a level of income, which most physicians will meet, right, where they they have the luxury of not having to worry about where their money's going, right? Because they have so much of it coming in that unless they're just being outlandish with their expenses, like they're not going to have to worry throughout the month. So the first thing is just knowing where your money's going. Now, 
is that a, a budget? Yes, majority of the time it looks like a budget, but a budget is just a, a framework. It's a plan. It's not what actually happens. So the easiest way to learn is go take uh, Tyrone Ross loves to say this is go grab the last three months of your primary checking account or your credit card statements and look at where what can put them all in a category and look at where your money's going. Yes. Right. And then I agree. see like and and that and that is going to be the the biggest and hardest pill to swallow because you're going to realize that you have some bad habits. Perfect we example was when me and my wife got married. Um we were combining finances for the first time. I had never seen anybody do that because my, my my biological father wasn't around and I was a little kid when he was. And we put our finances together and I was like, man, where's our money going? Like, we, we should have more money. My wife's a nurse practitioner. I'm making crap as a resident, but we should still have more money than this, right? We didn't really ex- increase our expenses. Well, one month we spent $1,000 eating out. And I was like, Wow, we spent a thousand dollars on restaurants. That was a we could have at least save seven hundred fifty of that. Would have had, liked to have a little bit of that back, right? Exactly. And then when I showed my wife, she was like, "Wow, I didn't realize we were doing that." Because these things are like these things; these little things happen throughout the day, and then they add up over the course of a month, two months. And now imagine if we had stayed on that trajectory all year. Granted, probably would have had some fun times. But that's twelve thousand dollars that we potentially could have saved at least seventy five percent of that, right? And so knowing where your money's going is like the number one thing. The second thing that I'll say, and I'm learning this more and more as an ever evolving thing, as I talk to more people who have accumulated wealth, is you you have to take risks, and you have to have a higher risk tolerance. the 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 further behind you start in life. Right. Meaning if you didn't come from well to do parents, you didn't have your college paid for, you didn't uh, have uh, someone help you with a down payment. You have to invest and you have to save at a higher rate and you have to be willing to take a bigger risk than those who say, oh, well, you can just get wealth by putting everything in an index fund and just waiting for 30 years. No, no, you don't have that same time frame. You have to catch up. And often you also don't have the knowledge. And not because of anything that has to do with your personal capabilities, but because so many of us learn culturally about money. We learn by our surroundings, and most importantly, we learn by our family. So if you don't, it, you know, one of the things that you were describing about, you know, having, is the water on or off or are, the, you know, the utilities or where are we going to sleep? It really changes your time frame to very, very short term. It's like, how do we get through the week or the month? And so the skills of how do you invest for retirement over decades, it's just not something you see typically. And it's crazy because, and I agree 100%, right? Like early on, I had this thing where because the refrigerator was never full when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. I every, if the refrigerator wasn't full, I got anxiety. Right when I be when I graduated Naval Academy, at the fridge was full. I got anxiety. I wasn't even eating the food because I was young and I was going out partying with my friends. But the fridge had to be full for me to be to feel secure, to feel like some sense of security. I had to have a fridge full of food no matter what. So I was spending 
as a single guy, sometimes $700, $800 a month on food. And I wasn't eating majority of it. I was throwing it out. And it makes me sound so terrible, but I didn't even know the psychology that. How did you realize? When I talked to my brother and I realized that he was having the same problem, then I said, hey, you know, we got some trauma we need to deal with. I grew up in a household that was safe financially, but then my parents got divorced. And so it was kind of a, there were two different financial realities between mom's house and dad's house. And at my mom's house, it was difficult to keep the house heated or repair the heater. And I have the same experience when, when my house is cold, it's like high anxiety. And it, I, I know now that it goes back to those experiences as a teenager at my mom's house about the concern of, you know, how do you heat the house when, um, you know, it, you don't have the money to fix the heater and things like that. So I, I get it. It's, it's, it's unpacking your traumas in some cases. Yeah, it's but the, you know the the first day, uh, step they said in getting better is you have to admit you have a problem, mm-hmm. right? And so up until that point, like I was blind to it, I didn't even realize it was occurring. And then all of a sudden, it was like, oh wow, like that doesn't make any sense. When you and can then, articulate it, then you can rationalize with yourself, and you yes. can't if it's if it's completely subconscious. Yes, it's and, and so once I hit that point, then I was like, okay, I got some work to do. And then I swung the pendulum too far, right? Mm. Where I was like, okay, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to eat everything in here. And I'm, I'm, and then I, it was sucking all the joy out of my life. Scarcity mentality, perhaps. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. It sucked. I was just unhappy. And I was like, you know, I have to find a happy medium. Especially challenging time. with a partner, you know, with, when your wife is involved and she's like, no, you know, like we need a happy yeah, not abundance medium. or scarcity. So I, I learned how to get to a happy medium when I'm single and then I get married. Right. And then I, all that trauma comes back. It all reactivates because I'm no longer in my safe place. And so the only thing I can think of is, hey, you know, I don't want to be a bad father. I don't want to be a bad husband. I want to change the narrative. I want to provide for my family because I had zero of that. Mm-hmm. I want to keep them secure. So then now I'm like ratcheting down as strong as I can. Like we got to save everything. We can't do this. We can't do that. And it was making people miserable. The other thing I didn't do was include my wife in that decision. I didn't even realize I had to. Cause I thought I was doing the right thing to protect everyone by doing this, but they didn't, they've never experienced that. Right. Cause they grew up different than I did. Everybody in a relationship comes typically with a different, you know, experience, a different invisible backpack, I like to say. And so sometimes a financial planner can be a bridge to, to help each other communicate and, and uh, each have a voice in the room. Absolutely. It's, and a matter of fact, uh, I think me and you had a conversation before about like you specifically, like how you managed to do that with couples, right? And so, like, I just told my brother the, the exact same thing. Hey, man, I, you know, you're about to get married. Um, and he's, like, worried about finances. I was like, look, this is what happened to me. Yeah. My recommendation is you go talk to a financial uh, planner, financial advisor who specializes in these situations, right? Because you're, you're, you need someone who's going to be objective and completely impartial. And, you and, have to, and work with you. Think of you both as clients because it's yes. not, you know, it's not 
it's not just his or hers. It's, um, you know, it's, it's gotta be somebody that get, has the give and take for both of you. Exactly. And you have to remember, like I, I was still a couple years removed from Primerica telling me that I wasn't worthy of a financial advisor. Which is right? so disappointing. So, I, I just, I love your mission because if you wait until people already have figured it all out and then say, I'll work with you when you get some money together, there's just, it, it delays kind of a, a community fail for all of us. We, we need each other to be safe and, um, you know, comfortable. It's not a zero sum game. Well, and, 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 you know, I, I listened to a, look, I get it. The, the industry switching from like really trying to push being fee only being a fiduciary, uh, getting away from the assets under management, right? Majority of people in this country don't even know the differences between that, right? Unless right. they've heard that jargon before, they have no idea. They're coming to you at sometimes at a, at a very difficult time for them because they don't know what to do. So they're looking for help, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're going to tell them, oh, I can't help you. You don't have enough money. Well, who has, who can help me in this situation? Which can only compound financial shame because they're probably coming with the stress and burden of financial anxiety. I was a hundred percent embarrassed to tell people I didn't have enough money to get a financial uh, planner. Now, mind you, at the time, I think I had 50 grand saved up, right? So it depends on the financial planner, but yeah. I have 50 grand saved up and I'm just like, man, you know, what do I have to, like, this is the most money I've ever seen in my life. Like, yeah. I never uh, thought I'd mean? see this I, day. Yeah. Yeah. I never thought I'd see this day. Like my, my mom, God rest her soul. I mean, she thought I was like super rich. She would call with like, I was, I, I would give her a thousand dollars a month at one point. Right. And, uh, and someone's telling me, Oh yeah, you, you, you're not, you don't have enough money. And the thing is, is like the mentality of that, it, it kind of has some bias in there as well. Right. Because I'm, I'm poor. I'm African-American and I'm trying to uh, gain wealth. I'm trying to get to a point where like I can meet your threshold, but nobody's teaching me how to do it. Yeah. It's just like good luck. (laughs) It's like good luck. So then now the people who are at that threshold are older. They tend to be white males. Right. And so you end up having an industry that is literally catered to one demographic. Mm hmm. And leaves the rest of us behind to just figure it out. And so for me, like I'm, I've had to slowly get over that resentment and I had to slowly work through the psychology of it. And because I, I was like, man, you know, all financial advisors are like this. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'll just go learn this stuff on my own. And then I started meeting very good, nice financial advisors. They're like, no, you know, you just happen to meet. Uh, someone who just wasn't wasn't good for our industry, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, man, you know, you guys need a rebranding because <laughs> we because there's a lot of people who who need help. Yes, there and there's a lot of opportunity. I hope when it, when we if we do a reunion call in in five or ten years, maybe things will look and feel different because there's so much innovation and, and ability to deliver information in in different ways with different technology. And there's also, I think, an important component is just willingness to have conversations like you and I are having today Um, to, you know, if you can see how someone else had a journey, your vulnerability to share that you, you know, had to learn through the school of hard knocks in some ways 
um, that is sets an example for others to to acknowledge that it's okay to not know, and um, here are some ways to figure things out. Yeah, you know, I I have a extreme uh, amount of respect for financial advisors, and the reason why, even starting where I was, right, and the mindset I had. It's because when I made the decision, well, I'm going to learn this, right? I said, hey, you know, I started looking up all the stuff the financial advisors read. What mm-hmm. are they reading? And I started reading the same stuff. And then that led me to like asking questions and coming to find out like, okay, what's a RIA and how do these firms work? And then I, I got, I understood more of it, right? Because now I'm, I'm not a financial advisor, but I was starting to look through the eyes of a financial advisor. Because even at one point, I was like, man, you know, maybe I should take the Series 65. Maybe that really will help people. And, As a side uh, job after you get out of surgery? <laughs> no, I, no I, was, I was legitimately thinking to do it. Yeah. And then uh, uh, two people talked me out of it. One was Jason Wink. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's the CEO of Altruist. And he was like, he's like, man, you know, um, you don't need to take that to help provide financial advice for people because it's like, he's like, are you trying to get money for this? I was like, no, I really don't care about it. I was like, that's, that's not the whole reason why I'm doing this. I really just want to learn as much as I can so I can just give it out for free. Because if I can help enough people create enough income for themselves now they have the ability to get a financial advisor. Well, and so I think that's, I love it. I also think that so many people think that the role of financial advice is starts when you're ready to invest. And what we've been discussing is there are so many things before that. It's the how to earn money. You're managing your human capital. It's how to pay off debt or whatever, you know, when you, when you're, you become the adult who's earning the money, what's your balance sheet look like, how to deal with cash flow or budgeting. Um, there's, it's so much more complex than that. And people often never get to the point of investing because there are challenges in those other areas that come first. So it's a lot to, it's a lot to tackle, but one step at a time is, is the way I suggest it. You know, I, I would love to see, like, because you brought up a great point, like, you know, the financial advice includes like this umbrella of things. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that doesn't like, and, and I speak to a lot of people about is like, hey, you know, the, the income, like increasing your income, right? No, no one really talks about that aspect, right? Because everyone says, oh, you got to get a side hustle here. You got to do this. You got to do that. Multiple strings of income. But no one talks about, no, like get enough of a skill that you can maximize your primary income. And it's your would, biggest asset for most of your career. Exactly. And I would love to see a financial advisor bring in life skills coaching, right? Where you can be like, hey, please send me your resume so I can look it over. Here's your skill sets. Here are jobs that are very high paying. Which ones do you like? I think in order to help you increase your income, you should think about moving into one of these careers. Let's plan that out because this, this particular company offers a 401k, a 403b, a HSA, and you, and here's how it will affect your financial future five to 10 years from now. Like who provides that service? 
It's true. It's disconnected from the financial side of things so often. And then you, you do want to look at the equation, you know, of, um, loans, what it, what it costs to get the education versus what, you know, your output will be in terms of, of your, um, compensation. Like financial planners and advisors, they, they build these complex models that, Hey, this is how we, how fast we want to pay off your student loans. Hey, about, how about planning with them before they take the student loan? Well, that's, that's TBD because you don't, if you are have someone planning with you before you take the student loan, typically that means your family had a financial planner to begin with, right? Because, you know, other than very, very minimal basic debt counseling that comes through the college, which is, you know, you're still like sign on the dotted line at, at the bottom of the page. It just doesn't happen nowadays. But that's, I think, where there's opportunities to disrupt things where either new thought you know, new businesses or, or thought categories, um, you know, can, can maybe tackle that one day. Yeah. I, you know, I would love to see it happen because, uh, student loans we know are out of control. Um, yes. Especially, med- I mean, you know, for medical school, um, you know, huge, huge student loans and, you know, there may be public student loan forgiveness depending on your circumstances or there may not. So that's, why well, in a lot of cases, a lot of the loans you take that would qualify for public student loan forgiveness, well, the cap on those loans won't cover all of your expenses in medical school. So you still right. end up with a significant number that are private, of or, private yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so people don't talk about these things, right? So when you sign up for medical school and they say, oh, you'll just take out student loans, well, they don't tell you that. You know, if you go to this medical school that's in this high cost of living area, that the the uh, federal loans aren't going to cover 100% of it, and you're going to end up roughly $450,000 in debt when you're starting residency, not starting your attending job, mm-hmm. starting residency. And it's worse for dentists because their loans, it might cost $500,000 to go to a dental school. And then they immediately go into the workforce with no experience having to open a practice or find a job that might not pay them more or than buy a practice yeah. or buy a practice that might not pay them more than 130,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And it, it sounds like first world problems, but if you talk about the scaled right income level, when you compare your occupation and you add in your student loan debt um, versus a teacher who might not have that much student loan debt, and they're making 45000 50000 a year, they might seem more well-off than the, believe it or not, than the dentist or the surgeon or whoever. And they and that surgeon might be very, very, uh, like, cautious about really trying to go out there and uh, increase their net worth. That's where, yeah, I 100% agree. And I think that, you know, these conversations where you look behind the scenes and say either what's happening, lessons learned, or here's how you can learn more. That's, that's what we need to be doing. I really appreciate that you've shared with us today. Um, and we'll make sure to link to your website, surgify.com, as well as share your Twitter handle so that people can follow you and, and follow these frank conversations um, talking about your life experiences and a lot of money wisdom along the way. Thank you so much for having me. 
You can access our first two seasons of this podcast on our website at www.pearlplan.com or on Spotify. If you're interested in learning more about Pearl Planning, feel free to sign up for our newsletter also found on our website.